This week on the Buzz on Business, we have the former president of OSU, Burns Hargis, with us. And whether you are listening on your walk to class, drive to work, or a quick break in the day, we bring industry professionals, Spears alumni, faculty and students, and notable cowboys right to you. This is the Buzz on Business. Mr. Ex-President. <laughs> I prefer former. Former President. <laughs> I guess that does probably sound a little X better. X kind of sounds like you're gone. You, yeah, that's you, right. X sounds like we got divorced. Literally. That's right. That's right. Well, it's wonderful to have you. We it's haven't great to be here. We have a while. We're delighted you're taking the time to be with us. Of course. This is this is home. I love it up here. <laughs> well, we're delighted to have you. So uh, how's retirement? Well, it's a little busier than I intended <laughs> it to be. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's an adjustment. It's, uh, you know, after working for 60 years, uh, it's kind of an adjustment, but uh, I still chair our Leadership Institute here and, and still has our pet therapy program, and I we both have offices over the student union. So we're here some, but I, I've uh, actually gone back to my old law firm as I've counseled. Uh, they tried to coach me up on how we, this electronic timekeeping system, and I said, that, I won't be needing that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't really intend to be keeping any time. I haven't practiced law since 1997. I'm not, not competent to be malpracticed to put me in there. So did, uh, going back to law, you never quite let it go? Uh, well, you know, I, I always wanted to be a lawyer. And my, my major didn't matter to me, really, because I just needed a degree to get into law school. Because my great-granddad was a lawyer, and he, he had big influence on me. And uh, so I took an accounting course from Wilton T. Anderson, uh, who really wrote the textbook that was used around yeah. the country for, you know, the initial uh, course of accounting and intermediate as well. And I loved it. I just thought it was really great. So uh, I ended up majoring in accounting. <laughs> I thought I was going to major in political science or history or something like that. So I ended up getting a degree uh, in accounting. I never was a good accountant. I did practice a little bit when I was in law school, but uh, when I got came back as president, uh, Wilton D. Anderson was about 90 years old, and uh, somebody asked him if he remembered Burns Hargis, and he said, oh, yes, he was a fine student. And they told me that, and I said, thank God for dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Wilton T. was known to tap people on the shoulders to say, you're either an accountant or you're not an accountant. Well, you know, his, he, he really it was unusual in that he was the head of the department. Yeah. And by the way, he didn't have a degree in accounting. I he didn't know He had a degree that. in economics. I didn't either until I did his eulogy at his funeral. He had a degree in economics from Northwestern in Alba. And uh, wow, I didn't know. I don't, that. I don't know what his PhD, but he any anyhow, he was a heck of an accountant. <laughs> he was, uh, but he uh, he really uh, was a, a giant in the in oh, the, absolutely in the, in the industry. But uh, he's passed on now, as we must all. <laughs> Indeed. So one of the questions I've been dying to ask once I knew we were going to have you on the show. Is you know you were a student here. You've been you've been around OSU for quite some time, impacting it and having. What was your favorite memory as a student? Oh, I I really enjoyed uh, working in student government. Uh, really, I, yeah. I mean, I I enjoyed my fraternity. I enjoyed the social life and all that. But 
I had moved. They tell me I moved 21 times. I, I only remember about four of them, <laughs> uh, because we'd move every few months. My father was a, uh, ran, he was a geophysicist. He ran mm -hmm. uh, seismograph crews. And uh, <clears throat> so I got up here and I, I'd only been in Oklahoma for a year and a half. And I uh, uh, pledged uh, uh, Sigma Nu and uh, I was called in by these old guys who were probably 21, 22. And they said, uh, we've decided you're going to run for freshman class officer. We don't know which one yet, but, and I said, Oh no, that's fine. I don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never was in school long enough to ever do anything really. <laughs> and, uh, they said, well, you're acting like you have a choice. And I said, well, I do, don't I? And he said, well, he, as a matter of fact, you do. You can either do it or you can leave. And I said, well, I don't have anywhere to go. And he said, well, I guess you don't have a choice. <laughs> so I ran and I won and I uh, got active on campus. And uh, I think that that was my drug of choice is yeah. working, working to try to make things better. And uh, I, I've, done it, I've tried the rest of my life. That's awesome. You know, you didn't necessarily want to do it, but you know, you're good at what you do. So you just happened. Well, to yeah, I like, as I've said many times, this was really my first community. Yeah. I mean, I never really was a part of a community. Uh, the closest I came maybe was San Antonio, where we were actually stayed there for three or four years. But, uh, but I was, you know, I was grade school. Yeah. Uh, in fact, just as an aside, one of my favorite stories is I, I was Halloween was coming up. It was my first 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 grade, and yeah. I, and so I came home and told mom I had to have a costume. Well, there wasn't any Walmart or you know any you could run out and get a Halloween costume. So she stayed up all night sewing a Felix the Cat costume, <laughs> <laughs> and she was just basting the tail on as the carpool came up and honked. And I said, "I got to go. I got to go. Just a minute. Just a minute." So anyway, I run down to the car and I look in and nobody has a costume on. And I turn around to mother and she said, you get in that car. <laughs> and I walk, walked up to the great front door of the great school holding my tail and just so humiliated. And that... Uh, a little tail between your legs moment. Yeah, yeah when, you, when you go to new, as many new schools as I did and your name is Vaden Burns. It's, it's, yeah. It isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the led. It doesn't have anything to do with business school education, but it, it was an education. Well, let's take us back to how did it come about you being named president? Well, I was, uh, well, it's kind of interesting. And I ran for governor in 1990 and got beat. And I was really, I, I really didn't want to run again. I, you know, all the political guys were saying, look, Lincoln ran six times before he won. And I said, yeah, and he got shot. <laughs> and so uh, Frank Keating, my law school classmate, called me and said, are you going to run in, in 94? And I said, oh, Frank, I don't know. I, I really got very mixed feelings. My, my feelings weren't mixed, but Ann's, <laughs> she wanted to run again. And he said, well, if you don't, I'd like to. And I said, done. I'll be your campaign manager. So he, he then later, as governor, appointed me to the OSU Board of Regents. And I, uh, and I think that was in 2001. And uh, I uh, served, I'd served for five years and Dave Smidley left to go to University of New Mexico. And uh, I was sitting next to Doug Burns, who's long-term time regent. And he said, you ought, to, you ought to look at that job. 
And I, he says, I turned to him and I said, you're crazy. You need some <laughs> professional help. And uh, anyway, it went on and on. He kept, he kept uh, Frank Keating had called uh, to see if maybe he might be, you know, interested. He called me. And I called uh, Doug, who was the chairman of the search committee, and I said, Frank Keating called and would be interested in this job. And he said, you're still not interested? And I said, I don't know. It, 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 truthfully, if I'm honest about it, I just didn't want to lose again. I didn't, didn't <laughs> want to. And uh, so finally, I, I said, well, I, I'm, I'm really seriously thinking about it. I came home and told Ann they're talking to me about being president. And she said, of what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I... Uh, uh, so Doug said, well, look, why, why don't you, because the law then was you'd have to wait for a year before you could go to work for OSU if you were on the Board of Regents. And so, the, you know, we're, we're July. And he said, why don't you just go ahead and resign and then you can get the time running. And if you decide not to run, you've gotten out of a lot of boring meetings. <laughs> and, and so that's what I did. And uh, then finally, and, yeah, and I remember in October, they called me, you've got to put an application in. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can't just. So I, uh, I, I did, and on December 7th, I was uh, named president to be. And then the legislature in March uh, or February passed a law to shorten that time to six months. So I was able to take office in March. And... Uh, that was in March of 08. Yeah, I, I've talked to you in the past. You know, you were the first president we had that wasn't an academic, right. you know, and there were numbers that were kind of like, eh, I'm not sure about this. Uh, so how did you handle that? I know I wasn't the only one that kind of had those qualms. Oh, so. no, no. Bob, <laughs> Bob uh, what was Bob's name? He was chairman of the faculty council. Darcy? No, no. He was my, <laughs> he was my team teaching partner. Uh, I can't remember, but... Uh, yeah, I, I thought that would be a big issue. I thought the faculty would not accept me, and, and that it, uh, and you know, faculty—they're smart, and they, and they seem to have enough time to really give you hell if they want to. And I, uh, uh, so, and, and a friend of mine, former Attorney General and, and Federal Judge Robert Henry, sent me a book called *The Primer for University Presidents*, written by a former president of University of Texas. And in it, he says, early in your term, you will be visited by the chair of the faculty council, and there you'll be told that faculty morale is at an all-time low. <laughs> you shouldn't be too alarmed by that, because that's the highest faculty morale it ever gets. <laughs> it might fall below all-time low, but it never. <laughs> so, but I, uh, I, I visited with a lot of the members of the council from the time December till I took over, and and I think I convinced them that I don't think I'm an academic. I don't know anything about academics. I need a good, strong provost to take care of that. And I need to take care of running the business and raise money. And that's, you know, and I even doubted my qualifications for it. But I, the more I've thought about it, the more I used to think about it. I think my background was really in many ways very useful, uh, both with politics and television and fundraising and uh, that's what I'd done for my whole career and that's really what a president needs to be doing the provost needs to run the academic side yeah I think you came at the right time as kind of the president's job was shifting 
right? Instead yeah. of being kind of the chief academic officer, well, they became more of an external, right? Mm -hmm. The legislature, donors, and that. So I think right. it, you came right at the right time is that I think the role was evolving and, and you know, and you're right. I mean, it, you were a perfect fit given your experiences for that new kind of vision of the president's role. Yeah, and, and I always had good, good provost. Uh, Marlene did a great job, Gary Sandiford, did a great job. So, uh, Bob, now, Bob Sternberg <laughs> shook some things up. Uh, yeah, just a few. During his time <laughs> here. Right. But, uh, we might have had 100 task force going at he, one year. He, he was very entertaining. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. We'll leave he, it at that. He had triplets when he was 62 years old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and you talked a little bit about the fundraising and kind of that that's a big role of the president um, coming in. And that's something you kind of specialized in. You actually brought in over two billion dollars, which is just incredible, impressive and kind of why OSU is where it's at today. Could you maybe talk about like how you went about that and just kind of the experiences and building OSU to what it is today? Yeah, it was it was kind of funny. I, I said, I, you know, I've been a regent, so I knew we needed money. And it's 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 much more uh of an issue today than it was when I was in school mm -hmm. because the state paid for most of my education. Now it's down to about 15% that the state provides. So you've got, and you can't put all that on the backs of tu tuition and fees and the yeah. like, which, uh, so, so I knew we needed money. I also knew we needed a win. Uh, frankly, things have been a little controversial on campus, uh, during the previous administration. And so I, uh, in the back of my, they said, well, we'll go out and we'll talk to all the units, all the divisions, all the colleges, see what they need. Then we'll aggregate all that. And that's how we'll, how we'll come up with the goal. And I said, well, you can do all that if you want to, but the goal is a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And they, what, I, I said, it's a billion dollars because it sounds like a lot of money and nobody would believe we can do it. And I think we can't do it. And uh, so we didn't announce it right away. And we had a really good uh, start because the legislature terminated, for the most part, the matching chair program where they matched the Dow chairs and professorships, dollar for dollar. Yeah. And uh, the legislature said, called both David Warren and uh, me down to the Capitol and said, we're going to, first they said, we're going we're gonna to stop it in July of 2009. But then they decided they just do it that, that July. So OU had done a better job in working that program than we had. And they had about $80 million in the, in the queue. And it was first come, first serve. Mm -hmm. We had about $12 million. And I knew, uh, I, I, I thought I needed to get $100 million in a hurry because OU wasn't going to stop raising their money. So uh, what do you do when you need $100 million fast? You fly to Dallas <laughs> and you see Boone Pickens. And uh, he, he said, well, you got a lot of gall. You've been up there two months and you're asking me for $100 million. I said, I'm new at this. <laughs> Is that too much? <laughs> yeah. So he agreed to do $100 million and to match. Other donors have that match. So if I gave a $1 million, for example, he, uh, I'd get the state match of $1 million. He'd match it with his million dollars, and he'd get the state match of a million dollars. So one million became four million, wow. and it uh, it's and we raised, as I say, forty days and forty nights, <laughs> about sixty six million dollars. Didn't raise the whole hundred. Didn't get that far, but we did raise one hundred sixty six, and we passed OU. And David and I, David and I were in law school together as well. 
And we agreed that whatever we each of us had on July 1st, we'd split ratably. And uh, that's what we did. And until, where are we? Until 2021, the session in 2021, there was still $151 million that had not been matched. Not for just us, for everybody. And, uh, for, but for us was 86 million. And I went to the Capitol, it's been 13 years. I went to the Capitol and said, guys, I need a going away present. This is, I'm retiring. <laughs> this is my last session. And darn if they didn't do it. So they, they got the match. So now everything's matched and we're off and running. Yeah, I was surprised. That, uh, yeah, and, but people kind of caught, I, th- I give Boone a lot of credit for this because mm-hmm. he, his gifts, it wasn't just that, it was $120 million for scholarships. It, you know, of course, the stadium and all, of, all that he did. But people will, people will invest if they think it's going to happen. And I knew a lot of our alums that had a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just a matter of them believing uh, that we really were going to do things. One of the things I wanted to do right out of the box, I couldn't believe how trashy the campus was. It really, the, the buildings are beautiful and they're set back so you can appreciate them and have perspective. But the grounds were just awful. There, but we had no sprinkler system. I mean, you can't, we had no landscape architect. I mean, yeah. they, they were just pulling hoses around and cutting the hedges <laughs> and mowing the grass. What little there was. I mean, anywhere there was a way somebody could cut across, a student could cut across, it, it was dirt. That's why you see those little chains around. That's, that's crazy because yeah, I, I didn't even know that. Like, that's... Yeah, no sprinkler system. And, the, and the, the, the bureaucracy has a lot of defenses uh, against change. And they didn't want to do a sprinkler system. And uh, but th- their first line of defense is maybe he'll forget about it. <laughs> it's just not... <laughs> The next thing they did was they, they put sprinklers all around Whitehurst. And I, I showed up and I thought, oh, great. we're getting Well, that's all the place it was. I mean, and then finally, well, we got to wait till we re- redo Farm Road and we can bring the water in from like Carl Blackwell. And I said, we'll do that, but buy it from the city first what, so we can get this place to greened up. And I found... Uh, uh, a OSU grad at University of Arkansas, that uh, Steve Dobbs, that uh, got a landscape degree here, and uh, he gave him the budget, and the place was a show place. <clears throat> it's not just that I want to. I think it makes people proud. I would pick up trash everywhere I'd go. Sometimes I'd have a ball like this. I'd walk into my office and I had a really good day <laughs> today. In '09, we uh, did away with uh, tobacco, all and that was controversial. And you, you all would remember it, but we had these buses, diesel buses, and Monroe had no drainage. Hmm. And so there were these big kind of looked like speed bumps. But what they really were was, were places where the water could go through, but you could walk and not get your feet wet. They, I mean, it, it, these diesel buses would go over those things and then accelerate, and this black smoke would just come. We were having an event over there in human sciences out of the garden out there. I use that term loosely in those days. <laughs> and uh, I mean, we, we, they just kept interrupting what we were doing. He's belching all this black smoke. And so that's when Boone was doing his pickets plan, uh, uh, turning vehicles into CNG-powered cars. And so we had a whole fleet of CNG buses. So we got rid of that. 
So what you see today is uh, is a true, you know, and, and we had to, I knew we had to go to Dallas to recruit. Mm -hmm. We just, the demographics in Oklahoma just were not going to take care of what we needed. And I, and people, I always, when I tried cases, I always like to create low expectations and then surprise. And uh, that's kind of what this was for people coming up from Dallas. I don't know what they expected, a barn and a corral or what it was, <laughs> but it's New Hampshire. You know, they just, they, they're, they're just stunned. So now, I don't know lately, but we had as many as 23% that were from North Texas. Wow. About 33% are out of state or were. I don't I'm, I've lost numbers. Yeah, I think, well, in our college, about 35% are out of state, and I bet about 85% of them were from North yeah. Dallas. Yeah, but we, we really made it. We even now have Pistol Pete on Texas license tags. Yeah. But we went down there, and we, put, uh, we, we adjusted our out-of-state tuition so it was competitive with mm -hmm. in-state Texas tuition. You know, a little bit more, but not, not bad. And, that, uh, and we sent recruiters down there, and, and uh, it, it, really, it really paid dividends because Texas had this wonderful rule that called the top 10% rule. I think it's mm -hmm. down to about 7% now. But, you know, these big high schools around Dallas are— yeah. You can be in the top thirty percent, and you're a good student. And uh, so we really had a heyday with that. Texas Tech has gained on us a lot on that that score, mm -hmm. but uh, it it was a it all fit together. I mean, there's it's all pieces of the puzzle. Well, the, the beautification of campus. I mean, there's actually been studies done that the number one reason why students pick a college is the way it looks. Mm -hmm. And I know talking for. Uh, uh, parents of prospective students, they're just stunned at the way the campus looks. You're right. I mean, uh, I don't know what their expectation is, sagebrush, uh, you know, and, and whatever. Well, yeah, you think of it. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, this – well, I went to – when I was in school here, I had no idea the topography uh, mm -hmm. on the on the southwestern part of the this town is, is like it is. I mean, yeah. when they built Karst Karsten Creek, I was stunned. I, I, I'd been up here – you know, all this time, and I just never seen it. So it's really, it really is a very, very pretty place. Uh, we're, we ought to be very proud of it. Oh. You know, being from Texas, all my friends, actually all my roommates that I live with are all from Texas, and we all go to OSU, and we're like, we were talking last night as we were watching um, some Big 12 football, but Baylor football, and we're like... Baylor we, and West Virginia. Yeah. yeah, I was like, we we kind of hate all the Texas schools. Like, and we go to Oklahoma, <laughs> and we're from Texas. Like, we hate all the Texas schools. We love OSU. And part of that, we talked about it. We're like, our campus is just better than, like, almost every Texas school. Um, like, we make fun of A&M all the time. Like, it's just concrete. Um, but, like, our campus is so awesome, and we, like, we enjoy it. So, well, you know, that's the, a big we, part. There's a big fundraiser every year called the uh, Dallas brighter orange which is in uh at dallas country club and we'll have 400 people there mm -hmm. and there so there's lots of alums of osu in that in that dallas petroplex yeah yeah i think it's amazing when you talk to them too um is that the enthusiasm they have for osu has the number of the number of flags and OSU stuff they see now in the Dallas suburbs is stunning. You know, we come out of the closet. Yeah. And so you, know, <laughs> you kind of, you know, I know President Hallican kind of started the, but you really ramped it up in terms of the pride that people feel in OSU. How did you 
kind of achieve that to you know increase more school spirit? I think one. Uh, well, I, again, I think Boone had a lot to do with that. He, you know, he he talked about OSU everywhere he went. He always had an orange tie on, and uh, he and he had that Pickens plan thing going. So it was a national phenomenon. Uh, but one thing we did that uh, I think changed the perspective of OSU, and that's uh, and that's the arts, the emphasis on the arts, and it it because that cuts across every every discipline, and uh, we just did things that you know not the least, but maybe the shining example is you had, when we opened the McKnight Center with the New York mm -hmm. Philharmonic. I mean, come on, out out here in Stillwater, yeah. America. But uh, we were just doing things that everything was done first class. Mike Holder and Boone Pickens had a lot of credit for that. They, that's, that's the way they do. They just don't do things uh, other than first class. And the buildings, this beautiful building, I think, changed a lot of minds. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just, uh, we, I think we benefited from low expectations. I think the expectations today are much higher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, but I, I do give you a lot of credit for helping to harness and increase that school spirit. I remember when I got here in '89, nobody wore orange, yeah. right? And and uh, and people were almost uh, some students were even kind of embarrassed to say they went to OSU compared to OU. And to see that change so dramatically now, it, it, it's it's stunning to be quite honest. Yeah, it was, it, I used to if I'd go to a game at uh, in Norman, I'd walk in there and. What's an Aggie doing here? And I, said, I said, you know, unlike a lot of people in this stadium, I actually have a degree from OU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of OU fans just went to Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, that's, 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 no, that's uh, incredible. You, you know, that, that, that's, one of the, uh, that's one of the things that people are surprised. I don't think they even believe me when I tell them. Uh, but... My attitude and David's attitude is we're the only friends we have in higher education in Oklahoma. Mm. Everybody else wants what we have. So if we fight, then they win. So we would stay, we've stood in lockstep together, right? The only time I remember David objecting to a proposed course we were going to, it was in nursing, and he swears to me he didn't really do it. He said that <laughs> they, they did it over at OSU Tulsa and OU Tulsa. And, uh, but we, we just didn't do it. I mean, I'd, I'd get requests to complain about or try to block, oh, you getting something. No, no. If they, if they can, mm. I believe in competition. If they can do it, let them do it. But uh, we, we really, really did try to stay in lockstep. And even when Joe Harris became president, who I'd known for 40 years, he, he was with David for, when David was in the Senate and so on. And uh, for example, when we, we, he and I talked uh, in the, those couple of months, early months in uh, 20, about coming back after spring break. And we just, we agreed, we just, first of all, we, we had to do the same thing. We couldn't, one, do something and another. And so we, we agreed that it was best that we not bring students back after spring break. And because uh, everybody goes to the four winds and who knows what you bring back. And it really, um, we met with the governor just so he'd give him a heads up. And he said, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, yeah, we, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> and that's what we're going to do. I just wanted, well, it's going to create panic. And said, well, maybe, but we're not going to have a bunch of COVID cases on campus. 
And the faculty, and you'd know better than I can, but the faculty pivoted incredibly well. Yeah. So did the students. I mean, it, it really it really worked. Well, and it was the right call. I mean, I think that it made everyone feel more comfortable. Yeah. Because there was a we lot sp- of uncertainty then. Then we spent the whole summer trying to figure out if we're going to play football or not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was on the board of the NCAA as well as the Big 12 board. Uh, when when the NCAA canceled March Madness, it was a $570 million decision. Wow. It turned out that they had business interruption insurance for about $230 million, and they did get that. Uh, but uh, the big issue all summer was, do, you, do we play football? Because as somebody said, it's like a, working in a meat market. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah. And... Uh, in fact, we had a meeting uh, of, of doctors. There were uh, KU doctors and uh, a doctor from Mayo Clinic. Because while they, the, the athletes probably, even if they got COVID, were not going to have you know, serious re- repercussions, uh, there was something about myocardia that uh, if a, a student had, had COVID and had certain heart conditions, that that could cause a real problem. Although the guy from Mayo Clinic said, well, I have over 3,000 myocardial patients and I don't think it's going to be a problem. And so we, we played. <laughs> so it, uh, that would have been a real hit lick to, to miss, miss the season. Yeah, absolutely. And they did a great job over there. You know, yeah. we didn't, the only game we, we missed was Tulsa and that's because they had to code. That's right. Yeah. You handle a ton of big things here like COVID. Um, another one of those big things, at least in my perspective, was hiring Dean Eastman during your time as president. Can you maybe talk about just some maybe your favorite memory or some of the experiences well, along it, with Dean Eastman? It was interesting because we, we asked Ken to be the interim mm-hmm. and uh, Dean. And the general rule is that if you're the interim, you're not a candidate because it chills other people applying for the job because mm-hmm. they think it's an inside deal. And, and I think Ken understood it, yep. you know, take that, you're not going to be the dean. And uh, in, the, in the course of all that, I, I came across uh, Linda Livingstone, who was at Pepperdine at the time. Her parents lived in Perkins. And she had, uh, uh, she'd got all three of her degrees here in, in business. And so I thought she was a, a good possibility but Ken had so romanced all these people, around <laughs> and they and we had had a lot of deans. I mean, we had had a lot of there was a lot of churn deans. before. Yeah, a lot of churn, and uh, everybody really was pleased and happy about Ken's leadership. And I just felt like, well, I mean, that's, I, th- I you know, the rules are ready to be broken. Let's, let's break this rule, and uh, and it's it all worked out really well. Linda went on; she went to Georgetown, and then of course became president of Baylor. So, yeah, she landed on her feet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I know some people have heard the boat, the ties story. Oh yeah, but, but yeah. if you would, yeah, relate. well that was yeah that when <laughs> when this was going on, uh, I saw. I told, maybe it was Jay Helm. I don't know who I told, some regent, but I made just some crack about, you know, I, I just don't know if I can take anybody serious that wears a bow tie. And uh, so there was an energy conference in, in Oklahoma City, and uh, Ken had a, had a regular tie on. And I, I said, uh, 
what, what, what do you wear? What, why are you wearing a big boy tie? And he said, I'm not taking any chances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, you know, an alum said, how married are you to the bow tie? I go, what do you mean? Burns doesn't like them. I said, <laughs> I, I, said I had one on last I, night. Yeah, I, <laughs> and I said, well, if the only thing standing between me and B&D is a tie. It's gone. I mean, I'll, I'll ditch it. But uh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I put, put on, I went to a big Broadway bash last night and I put it. Wore bow tie. They're festive. Yeah, they are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, now people. Yeah. Now it's only pediatricians and uh, Mater D's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, retire. I'll have it move right into one of those here, yeah. so it won't be a problem. Um, looking back, uh, what was maybe one of the more unusual decisions you had to make? Uh, well, I, 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 and, and I use this in in leadership talks. It was a. When at the homecoming parade, uh, when when we had the tr tragedy, I Ann and I were toward the front of the parade, so we were we were already home. We'd had breakfast, and we we're just sitting there reading the paper. We were going to play Kansas, and our phones just blew up with that that woman that drove into the crowd, and so the immediate question was, do we play the game? Now we're, you know, we're, it's 10.30 or 11, I can't remember the kickoff time. But, uh, so you didn't have any time. And, they, and that's what I assume people, if they don't learn it in college, they learn it soon enough in, in, in leadership roles, is that you're constantly having to make decisions without all the information. You're not, you just can't, you can't, and academia is different than that. They don't publish a paper till they're sure. Yeah, and uh, it, it, you just don't have that luxury in uh, in the real world. Not that this is not the real world. And so I we had so we had a meeting over in my office, and and everybody expressed their opinion. But sooner or later, they all looked down at the end of the table, and I uh, I talked to Gundy. He said, "Whatever you whatever you decide, just let me know." And I uh, I I just decided, you know, there's something about staying together. Mm. And not going to the four winds, and and uh, I just I just thought it would be almost therapeutic for us to be together. Show proper respect. Go, uh, you know. They did a prayer before the the game, and uh, Kansas was very cooperative about it all. I had just had hip replacement, mm. and I was on a cane, and we went down to the police station for the press conference, and. We're, we're standing inside, press conferences outside. And uh, so, they say, okay, we're ready to go. Well, I handed Ann my cane. And she said, are you sure? And I said, I don't want people to think I got hurt. I mean, oh. you know. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> glad I didn't topple over on the thing. But that's an example of a, a tough decision and yeah. not much time to do it. And I only got two criti crit critical emails about that. And they both came from California. Really? I don't think they had any, any connection with OSU or not. I had never heard a word. There were plenty of things about which I did hear a lot of words, <laughs> but not, not that one. So it, uh, but there were a lot of, those things come up, you know, two or three times a day. And you've, you got, you got to make calls and, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes, you know, when the, the issue of Murray Hall was, uh, would bubble up every usually Bob Darcy started it up 
And, uh, you know, Alfalfa Bill Murray was a racist and anti-Semitic and all that stuff. And he really was not a good guy in that respect. But he, he was governor and put the money up. That was uh, Murray Hall, now Randolph Hall, Davis Hall, I guess, is a, uh, it was a women's dormitory. And supposedly it was the biggest women's dormitory in the country when it was built. And Murray was not a fan of OSU, even though he was from Tishomingo and, uh, you know, it, but he, uh, I, I'm sure, I don't know this to be, to be a fact, but I'm sure that the deal was, we'll put your name on the building. And uh, so that would bubble up every now and then. So they get mm -hmm. the students riled up about it. And, and, uh, and then if I could just make it to summer, you know, then it, then it would die out for a day yeah. or, for a year or two. And then it come back. And, uh, it, it wasn't that I'm a Murray fan. I just didn't want to, I didn't want to have to replace the limestone. I, you know, I thought most people don't, they don't even know who Murray is. And, uh, finally, uh, the, uh, SGA passed a uh, almost unanimous resolution that we take the name off, and uh, it's I'm in my last year, and uh, I really I, I just oh wait I asked Gary Clark my general counsel to uh, to uh, do an unnaming policy we have a naming mm -hmm. policy but to do an unnaming policy and it should be hard to take a name off I mean if somebody's mm -hmm. And he did well. Everybody jumped through every hoop, and uh, so I called the chair of the board of regents, and I said, "I'm not falling on my sword on this deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's coming to you." And they uh, and they they passed it unanimously, and then then put fittingly Nancy Randolph Davis, our first African American mm -hmm. graduate, uh, on on the building. And so two big things, kind of just kind of to land this plane, two big things um, kind of at the end of your career for you is one, you just got a bronze statue on campus, which is absolutely awesome. And you're being inducted into the Spears Hall of Fame. Can you kind of talk about those two experiences? Did they have you pose for the statue or, you know, how exciting are both those well, things? Well, that whole thing was awkward. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the the regents, uh, they're, they're the ones that cook this thing up. I didn't go say I, I want a statue, <laughs> and they uh, and they, they said that's what they want to do. And I thought it was too soon. I thought you know that's great, it's very high honor, but you know give Casey a little time to settle in here before she has to look at my mug. You know, <laughs> and uh, they they just wanted to move forward on it, and I I just just thought it was I don't know I I. I I still think it was too soon, and I, mm -hmm. but but in any event, uh, Mike Larson is a is a very uh, no, noted sculptor who actually lives outside of Perkins Studio, and he's done a lot of beautiful stuff. and uh, And I knew him, and I didn't know the others we were talking to. And, and the only other one, by the way, was in Norman, and that was a little awkward. <laughs> and uh, of course, H. Holden over in Enid. Enid is a wonderful sculptor, but he, he's, uh, he was working on Frank Eaton in the middle of all that. So, I, so the way it works is you, they take a bunch of pictures of you and from a lot of different angles. And one of the, uh, interesting little sidebar on this thing was the, uh, 
the pose that you had. You know, Henry Bennett's got a book, kind of a pedestal thing in a mm -hmm. book. And they had me with a scroll, Moses or something. <laughs> and and uh, it's, it's, I, I think I'm the one that actually came up with it. But if I'm just standing around, I'll, I always stand like this. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It's just comfortable yeah. to me. rather. And anyway, we, we decided, I can't remember exactly how it all played out, but we decided to do that, that we give it a little energy. Mm-hmm. And then where do you, where do you look? Do I look at Bennett or, uh, and to me, it looks like I'm going, what are they doing over there? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a believable thing. For you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they, you know, they took trees down around here at night, you know, yeah. so I didn't see it. I mean, it, it just, uh, you know, I'd say, well, What's wrong with this tree? And he said, "Well, it's sick." Well, you always say they're sick. <laughs> You'd be sick too if I put a chainsaw to you. So uh, it uh, no, it's a phenomenal honor, and uh, mm -hmm. I uh, uh, I'm I'm uh, embarrassed a little bit about it, and it, I, I, almost none of our friends had any clue that it was going to happen. And we spent the summer, most of the summer, in Taos, New Mexico, and. Uh, we just came back for the day for that, mm -hmm. and it was really hot. Yeah, man, I felt yeah. sorry. You guys were baking out there, or like. But it, it so it's it's big, and then the Spirits Hall of Fame is great. I mean, mm -hmm. it. it uh, I must have, but I've gone to been a ten, lot of ten or fifteen of these, you know, and, yeah. uh, where we've honored other people. It, 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 it's kind of a, it's kind of a. Oh, cathartic in one way and, and nostalgic in another because they always want 50 pictures and they want them of your childhood all the way. You know, yeah. they want people to be interviewed and, and, uh, it, yeah, it's not like you just get to walk up there and everybody showers. You got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, but no, that's, that, that's great honor too. I'm, yeah, I'm very, for sure. very, uh, proud of that. Yeah. I think people probably might, be surprised is even though you've been on TV and all this stuff, you're actually pretty humble. You don't like drawing attention to yourself. You know, when I called you to to invite you in the Hall of Fame, I was all prepared to have to argue with you because I knew <laughs> your natural inclination is no, no, somebody else. Yeah, I mean, call somebody with money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I I real I had a whole list of arguments I was going to have to try to go through. I was going to list and if I had to, but uh, <laughs> so I appreciate you making it a little more easy on me than yeah. I, I was afraid of. No, it's a, it uh, it's a very nice honor, and I'm I, and I'm pleased to go in with Jay Helm, who's mm -hmm. one of my best friends, and. Uh, and also one of the thorniest <laughs> burrs under my saddle blanket. He, yeah, I think he, it was appropriate the two of you going in together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Don, you got a last question? I think I think we knocked the, the last right. question out of the way with that. Well, thank you, Mr. Former President. I won't say X anymore. Uh, it's been a delight to talk with you again and hear some of the stories. Uh, and again, to you all out there, thanks for listening to the Buzz on Business. Uh, be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media at Spears Business OSU. If you or someone you know have an interesting business story or industry insight, send us a DM. Until next time, this is The Buzz on Business. <laughs>